0: You may be seated. So say with me, Abram was a remarkable man. Can you do that? Abram was a remarkable man. Now what was so remarkable about him? Well, he lived to be 175 years old. Do you know anybody that does that anymore? Pretty remarkable. He also had a child when he was 100 years old. Do you know anybody that does that? Why would you want to do that at 100 years old? He was a remarkable man. But I think the most remarkable thing about him was that he was willing to believe God. At the age of 75, God came to Abraham, and he said, I am going to make of you a great nation. Your descendants will be so great That they will be even more than the sand on the seashore. You'll never be able to count them all. Which is remarkable because how many children did Abraham have at this point? Zero. He was willing to believe the promise. And it was a remarkable promise. You will become a great nation. You will be a blessing to others. Everyone that you bless will be blessed and everyone that you curse will be cursed. How many of you would like to curse people and have it actually happen? How about, you know, this last weekend if you're watching college football, a few of you would like to make a curse on a few teams, right? Or maybe this Sunday as you watch the NFL, you'd like to do the same. But it wasn't all that rosy. Think about what Abram was leaving behind, his family, his country, everything that he knew. Now he was going to a place he'd never heard of, a place he'd never seen before, and it is in the midst of retirement. Can you imagine retiring? All you're going to do is travel. Oh, that sounds good. Travel, but no American Express, no visa, no GPS, no cruise to the Bahamas. No using your retirement money to play the stock market. No evening strolls in suburbia with Sarai. No senior center. Just go wherever God tells you. Now I I fully believe that Abram understood the blessing. Great nation, many descendants. But I don't know if he truly understood the larger vision So I want to take a look here this morning, and go ahead and put up the verse there again from verses 2 and 3 in Genesis 12. See if you can pick it out. I will make you into a great nation, I'll bless you, I'll make your name great, you'll be a blessing, yada, 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 I'll bless those who bless you, whoever curses you i will curse, and then the part that we so often miss, in all peoples on earth. You can underline the all. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's not just about making Abram great or his nation great or his children great or his descendants great. It's blessing all people through this one man. And that has been God's overall plan from the very beginning. To bless the world through his chosen people. Now, we have to go all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. Remember in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and they were to steward everything. What does it say there in verse 28? Be fruitful and... Multiply. And that doesn't just mean have lots of children, but to fill the entire earth with blessings. Fill the earth with all these good things and subdue it. Be a steward. Take care of it. Meaning it's not just for their pleasure, but they were to take care of it so it would be fruitful and be a blessing to all. Now, we know what happened. Chapter 3 already, Adam and Eve sinned. And things were never the same. It wasn't easy anymore to subdue the earth. The ground is cursed. Thorns and thistles and hurricanes and floods and droughts and insects. And so it's not so easy anymore to subdue the earth. But it wasn't just the ground that is cursed. There's pain now in childbirth, and there is death, where before there was none. And then Cain has a little fight with Abel. As brothers do, look it a little too far, and he kills him. And there is animosity now among human beings. And the whole world becomes much more corrupt, and they begin to to worship false gods and idols and go their own ways, even wanting to become God. And so they build this tower to the heavens to glorify themselves. And God looks down over all of it and he sees these corrupt, selfish people. And yet he still loves them. He still wants to care for them. And he still wants to bless them. And so it chooses this one man to be the precursor to the Redeemer, to be a blessing to everyone. And so it has continued on to this day. Fast forward to the New Testament. And we have the nation of Israel, the children of Abraham. Through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and later on to Moses and all the people, and now we see the king, the promised one, the anointed, the savior of the world, Jesus himself. And so this blessing that first came to Abraham now goes through all of his people, and it is finally realized in Jesus. Now, the verse always talks about the Gentiles first, but really we ought to flip that, shouldn't we? Jesus came first for the glory of his people Israel, first to the Jews, but then to all people, to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, all of us, to every generation. He would be of a light, the revelation. And even though Abram or Abraham was chosen not because he was so special, Remember, all the gifts and the blessings weren't just for him to enjoy, but to pass down as a conduit. Jesus now is just the opposite. He truly is special, for he's God himself. But he's given it all up, all the blessings, all the glory. He humbles himself so that all people might be blessed. And then the Savior passes it on. To the apostles and to the church and that's where you and i come in eight minutes there just to get to you because you are the spiritual descendant of abraham believers in the redeemer that special one who came to save the entire world so this charge now is passed along to each one of us to bless the world, primarily by making disciples, but also to steward all the gifts that God gives to us. Now, as we look at this, this morning, there was a holiday. I can't think of the name of it. It just happened like two days ago. Uh, what What was that again? Oh, Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. So do not misunderstand. We are to go as God's people and claim our blessing. We are. We, we are not to ignore them. We can use them. And we are blessed by them. But typically that's not our problem. That's <laughs> not our problem, is it? When we, we got together with family and friends. And we, had, we had this great feast. Maybe you, you relax and you, and, you, and you watch some football games. Uh, maybe, maybe you traveled and you, and you saw a family. Uh, you can just, just look at your, your place and you know that you are blessed. Look at all your bedrooms and your bathrooms. How many of you had to take more than uh, 10 seconds this morning to determine what you were going to wear? Everybody knew? Wow. I thought I was the only one because I wear the same thing every week. That's pretty good. What are you doing with the rest of the stuff in your closet then? We know we're blessed, don't we? Because of our bounty. And yet, there are many who think that we are blessed because we're so great. We deserve it. Or we're so good. Or, well, there are those, lots of not believers, unbelievers, but also lots of Christians, who think that all my blessings are because of my ingenuity, my shrewdness, my intelligence, my hard work. I know there is this old adage, when we get discouraged or depressed, what are you supposed to do? Count your blessings, right? Well, I'm here today to tell you that not only are we to count our blessings, but we are to share them. All of them. Because just like with Abram, they weren't given to us specifically for our own use pass them down to others. So I want to take a few minutes this morning through a little story to show just how you might do that. So many years ago there was a teacher, a fifth grade teacher, and her name was Jean Thompson. Jean Thompson did what most fifth grade teachers, well what most of us do as teachers, at the very beginning of the year, she stood in front of all of her children and she told them a lie. She, those teachers lie. They say that we are going to love all of you exactly the same and we're going to treat you all alike. Well, in Ms. Thompson's fifth grade class, they're sitting in the third row. I'll point to one of you, Auden. <laughs> There was a little boy and his name was Teddy Stoddard. Teddy Stoddard was not well liked by the rest of his classmates. He was a sullen little boy. He didn't say much, but when he did, he usually rubbed people the wrong way. He usually slept through class and, well, he didn't smell very good and he always needed a bath. Ms. Thompson didn't like Teddy all that much and, well, he also was not a very good student. And she actually took delight, and I know no other teacher would do this, but she loved to take out that big fat red marker and put big X's through all of his incorrect answers. And then put a big fat F on the top of his paper. Now, in this school, just like every school, Ms. Thompson had to go through the records. And she had noticed before the year that Teddy was not a very good student, so she went to the records and she put off Teddy's review until the very end, until she had gone through all the rest. And then she looked at the file and this is what it said. His first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright, inquisitive child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. And his second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student well-liked by his classmates but he's troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle and then his third grade teacher wrote Teddy continues to work hard but his mother's death was hard on him he tries to do his best but his father doesn't show much interest And his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken And then the fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes sleeps in class. He's often tardy and can become a real challenge. Well, by now, of course, Ms. Thompson knew that she had misjudged Teddy. She knew that something needed to be done. But it was getting toward the end of that first semester. And all she could do really was, was get the class ready for the, the Christmas play that was about to occur. But then one day she had to deal with Teddy. You see, it was that, that day right before the Christmas holiday when all the classes have their Christmas party and everyone gives presents. And of course, we're going to give gifts to the teacher, to Miss Thompson. And so they all brought their gifts, brightly wrapped with these beautiful ribbons, all, of course, except for Teddy. All he has is this brown paper bag, clumsily wrapped and taped together. Ms. Thompson takes great pain to open it carefully. And all the children begin to giggle when they see that the gift is a rhinestone bracelet with most of the stones missing and a little bottle of cologne about a quarter filled. But she stifles those laughs when, when she comments on how pretty the bracelet is, she puts it on her wrist, and she takes some of that cologne and she dabs it on the other one. After class, Teddy takes the time to go and see Miss Thompson. And he says to her, Miss Thompson, today you smell exactly how my mother used to Ms. Thompson cried for about an hour after school. And she vowed that day to no longer teach just reading and writing and arithmetic. She teach children. And she spent more time with Teddy. And she found out that he really was a really smart, intelligent kid. And the more that she encouraged him, the more that he blossomed. And the more that he learned and every time there was a test, she remembered that cologne. And by the end of the year, Betty Stoddard was one of the smartest children in her class. And she now had a favorite. She had a teacher's pet and sat there in the third row. Well, after about a year, She got a note under her door, and it was from Teddy. And it said that of all the teachers that he had had in elementary school, Miss Thompson was his favorite. And then there was nothing for about six years, and she got another note. And it said that now Teddy had graduated from high school, and he was third in his class. And yes, Miss Thompson was still his favorite teacher of all time. Another four years, and she got another note. And this one said that though it was difficult, and it was a challenge, and he had to work really, really hard. Teddy now had graduated with honors, summa cum laude, from college. And then another four years, and now there was another note. And this one said that, well, even though Miss Thompson was still his favorite teacher of all, His name was much longer now. And he signed it, Theodore F. Stoddard, medical doctor. Great story, isn't it? Not old. That spring, Miss Thompson got another letter. And this one said that, well, Teddy had met a girl. And he was getting married his father had died a few years before. And would Miss Thompson sit there in that cherished spot where the mother of the groom would normally sit? Now I'll leave it up to you to determine if Miss Thompson actually wore that rhinestone <laughs> bracelet on the day of Teddy's wedding. But I can bet you that she smelled, well, exactly like she did on the day before Christmas vacation so many years ago. My friends, you can never tell what kind of impact you may make on another's life when you use your blessing to become a blessing to someone else. Many centuries ago, there was an old man who received a call from God. He left everything behind, his family, his country. He didn't even have a compass to guide him. And yet he held on to the promise that his God would take care of him. And he amassed all of these blessings. His children, his descendants, became not only a great nation, but through them a Savior would be born. And through that Savior, today we have his church and all of these people who gather all over the world to enjoy the blessings that God has always promised but we primarily are to be the conduit. Even as we enjoy all the goodness of God, we are to be the ones who pass along the blessing that will impact people's lives not only for this life, but for eternity as well. As we gather together, I know that we are a blessed people. My only question is, and my prayer for all of you, is that you will continue to learn and to grow to become those people who bless others as well. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise.